You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. Crises. Perhaps this morning you're in the midst of a crisis. Perhaps I am. Perhaps this week it will take place. Uh, and then we know a, a, a crisis is that which changes the stability of a life. It could be emotional. It could be mental. It could be physical. It could be financial. It could be with your family. But all of us experience crises. How you handle the crisis, how I handle it, handle it, uh, it will determine how successful we'll be in our Christian life, our daily life, how we'll be in our family. You know, most people, most handle crises wrongly. They get angry. When we get angry, we say things we will later regret. We get, um, we, we get, uh, we attack people. We get bitter. We get frustrated. We blame. One day in the millennium, I'm going to love not being the pastor of the church. Well, I'm going to love it. But once in a while, I'm going to resign it. And uh, when people have a problem, and then they start blaming the Christian school, or the college, or fundamentalism, or the King James Bible, I'm looking forward to that day and say, I'm not the pastor. Go ahead, blame on. But, uh, you know, don't blame people when you have crises. Don't attack people when you have crises. Don't bite in the home. Don't attack the wife, the children, the husband. Uh, don't attack the boss. Some people, they handle the crisis by quitting. I quit. And in churches across America today, someone's going to get their ruff uh, feathers ruffled. I I'm, I'm out of here. I'm done. Well, that's mature. We have a nice daycare for you as well. Some hurt others. All right, I'm wounded. You're going to get wounded. Some become harsh. And then you have to understand, I'm in depression right now. No, that's a sissy way out. Fellas, men don't do that. Grow up. And ladies should not as well. Some of us jump. Okay, I got I to gotta do something. Normally what you think you have to do is the wrong thing. Slow down. I think of Adam and Eve. They did wrong. They, they entered into a crisis. They had sinned against God. But then they handled it wrong. They hid and they, 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 they hid in the cupboard. But he that covered the sin shall not prosper. When, when you do wrong, we have to say, okay, I have wrong. Wife, I, I'm sorry. Husband, I'm sorry. Crises come. When, when a crisis came to Moses, one time when the people were murmuring, he said, God, just kill them. Well, that's not how you handle a crisis. Or one time he said, God, don't kill them, kill me. That's not how you handle a crisis. Elijah was at the brook Cherith. God was working on him. And God was working at Zarephath. Cherith means the cutting place. God had a cut on his life. Then Zarephath, that's the refining place where God refined him. 
And, and then he was able to uh, have the contest with the Baal prophets, and God did a great thing in chapter 18. And in chapter 9, Jezebel attacks him and says, I'm going to have your head. And he ran, and he hid under a juniper tree, and he said, God, just, just, just kill me. I'm done. A great man of God handled the crisis wrong. Just because you're a great Christian, you've been saved for years, or because you're a pastor or missionary or full-time worker or a deacon or usher, it doesn't mean that we mishandle crises. I think of Joshua, how he had great victory at Jericho, and then Ai came and 36 men died, and how he handled it, how he handled it was wrong. He threw himself down, and he tore his garments, and God said to him, get up. It wasn't time to throw yourself down. It wasn't time to cry. It wasn't time to rent your garments. You see, the truth is the great people of the Bible handled crises wrong. David, great man of God after God's own heart, but he committed sin with Bathsheba. But how he handled the crises was wrong. He saw to it that woman's husband was put at the front of the battle, the foremost part of the battle, and he died, Uriah, in battle. He handled it wrong. And that decision stayed with them the remainder of his life. So he gets to Second Samuel chapter 23. He said, a king should be just and a king should be like the showers of the morning uh, that come and a king should be, uh, and talk about a great family, but he said, it's not that with mine. My family's not so. One of the reasons perhaps because he handled the crisis wrong. You're going to be given a crisis this week. How you handle that crisis will determine the next day, the next week, the next month. I think of the crises in the Bible of Job, and he handled it so right, and then he handled it wrong, and he said, God, please just kill me. But there wasn't a better man in the East, the Bible said. He was righteous. He eschewed evil. He hated evil. He was a godly man and a good man that went through trial. And in the midst of the trial, he did well. And the crisis, he did well. And then in the moment of weakness, when friends began to attack him, he made the wrong decision. Thank God when he came to the chapter 40 and 41 and 42, he made the right decision. The Apostle Paul, and we're coming back here, but I'd like you to turn with me in your Bibles to chapter number 4 of 2 Corinthians. I'd like you to see these few texts here, and then we'll get back to our text. Today, the thought is that of being a crisis in our life. The Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians, I'd like to hear the rustling of the pages. If you could make sure that you're turning, that's it, that's good. I, I know you're turning now. 2 Corinthians 4. Thank you for turning. I'd like you to see this. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Let's read verse 8 together, shall we? 2 Corinthians 4, 8. Here's his crisis. Ready? Begin. We are troubled on every side. How about verse number 9? Ready? Begin. Persecute it. You see, he said, I'm going I'm to seize this crisis. And today, in just a few moments, keep your hand right there, please. We're going to see how to seize a crisis and not blow it and not ruin the future because we handled 
the crises wrong. Turn with me to chapter 6, please. In chapter 6 of 2 Corinthians, where you are right there. We get to chapter 6. Paul says that we, verse number 4, but all things proving ourselves as ministers of God in much patience, in afflictions, in necessities, in distresses. Let's read together verse number 5 through 10. Shall we? Ready, begin. In stripes, in imprisonments, in tumults, in labors, in watchings, in fasting, by pureness, by knowledge. Second Corinthians chapter 12. I love to hear you read. I love it when I stop and you read. That, that is, that's a beautiful sound. I, you can't hear it probably like I can hear it here, but it's coming this way. It's wonderful. Second Corinthians chapter 12. As we read in Second Corinthians chapter 12, I want you to notice that Paul had a thorn in the flesh. If we go to chapter 11, I'm sorry, 11, he said in verse 23, in stripes above measures, in prisons more frequent, in deaths oft. I wonder if we could read verse number 24 through 30. 24 through 30. Ready? Begin. Of the Jews five times. Let's go back to our original text, please. First Samuel, and I'll ask you not to turn after that. First Samuel 27. Thank you for reading. As you're turning there, it's very obvious as we're reading all those experiences that Paul was experiencing, the crises, he handled everyone right. Most gladly will I glory in my infirmity. He counted it an honor to suffer for Christ. He handled his crises properly. You and I have crises. I want to make four statements, then a brief message, and we'll be on our way. Statement one I want to make to you, everybody has crises. Say it together. Everybody has crises. Everyone. Everyone has crises. 
You have crises. I, everybody has a crisis. You might not have a massive one right now, but you'll have one this week or you'll have one this month. Uh, I was coming home the other night from the office, and as I come, and one of my neighbor ladies was right in front of me, and my other neighbor was driving this way, and this neighbor, I don't know what the sun or what, just plowed right, I mean, right on my street. There's four houses on my street, so it's not a very long, and she plowed right into this, those cars, those t- the car. Well, you know what? That had to be a crisis for her. That had to that'd be a frustration. I stopped and went to see him, checked on him, but nonetheless, that's, you'll have it. I don't want it. Well, I, I, don't, I hope this, but there'll be, there'll be a car accident this week or there'll be a, a loss of a job this week or a demotion this week or there'll be a hospital visit this week or there'll be a doctor says something you don't want to hear. Something's going to happen. That happens all the time. And I'm not going to live in fear. Oh boy, they happen in threes. I hear people like that. What do you mean they happen in threes? They happen in 33s. But nonetheless, uh, life is full of crises. Things happen. So number one, everyone has crises. Say it together. Everyone has crises. Secondly, most handle their crises wrong or wrongly. We handle our crises wrongly. We, 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 act, we react, uh, we, we act instead of react, or sometimes we react instead of act properly. How tragic it is when we do things that compound the problem. Number three, most create another crisis with the crises. Most create another crisis how you handle the crises. That's going to be in our text today. And then number four, there's always consequences for mishandling our, 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 our crises. My grandson is here today somewhere. Titus, where are you? Is he in here right now this hour? Right. I'm so sorry I didn't introduce you handsome boy, freshman in college, or you're visiting with us, and I'm glad Titus Thompson's here. I apologize. I, 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 I saw you earlier, and I lost you. There you go. You see, your kids, all right, we, we handle the crises wrong, and we create another. So your kid gets mad and gets out of church. So what, you know, the average parent does, Brother Cooper, they, their kid gets uh, upset, quits church. You know, they're, they're now 19, 20, 21, 22, 25, whatever. They quit church. So what does that family generally do? You've been around the block a little while. Eventually they quit church too. Well, the church was wrong. The church did it to them. Well, we have classes in that, how we can hurt you. You've got to be kidding me. I was meeting with a man who's raised his family, and he said such a powerful thing to me. He said, every, recently, he said, every family has a degree of dysfunctionality. Every family has a, boy, you young couples, not ours. I got my little wife, my sweet, my husband, our, our little children. You hold on, my child. Pressure comes in the morning. It happens. It just happens. Your wayward kid, your marriage falls apart. I, ah, the church. No, 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 no. You're not handling it right. You have little eyes. You have teenagers. You have college-age students. You have people that are watching. Their financial reversal. I hate California. They did it. They did this to me. So I'm going to have to get over California. Well, 
Michigan, yes, Michigan has the same problem, and Kentucky, and you name it, it goes on and on. We fall into depression. I want you to see with David here, and I'm not going to say the first statement that I've preached in the past, but I'm not going to go to that message. David said in his heart, you have to watch what you say when the crisis come. One, he said in his heart, the heart is in your brain. We say, I love you with all my heart. Well, it's here. The heart is one third portion of the brain. The brain looks like a walnut on the outside. The brain's about three, uh, two, two, sometimes three pounds. Sometimes more if you're real smart. Sometimes a lot less. <laughs> the brain is divided into three divisions. And one division is called the heart. The heart is the place of, is really, it's, it's the mind. It's where the thinking, the controls of your mind, it's the emotions of man is in the heart. And you're going to have to be very careful. That's why God tells us to guard the heart. And God says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. I don't know why I did that. I don't know why I said that. Oh, yes, you did, because you already put it in your heart. It was already buried there. It just came out. That's why when you yell at your wife or you yell at your husband and you yell at your kids, it's already been planted there. And so David said in his heart, the crisis has come. The Philistines are there now. And, 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 and the Philistines, he, he, had joined, he joins up with the Philistines. The people he conquered, he joins up. He just got overwhelmed. Why? Because Saul had been chasing him. Saul had been after him. He'd been hiding in caves. He'd been hiding in the wilderness. He'd been hiding in, in, in the, uh, every area possible, running from Saul. Saul was seeking, threw a javelin at him at a table, tried to kill him. You know, it got wearisome. And so David said, There's, I'm just going to join up. And he began to allow his mind to play tricks on him. Well, nobody loves me at that church anyway. Well, my wife doesn't love me. My kids don't love me. My parents don't love me. Life is terrible. Uh, we're all going to die one day. Uh, California's the worst. Uh, America's falling off the, the, uh, off the map. We, we're going to collapse. We're, this stock market's falling. And we get all wrapped up in things we don't know. And we get our mind thinking it's all hopeless. That's why I would not spend time with the news if I were you. It's all hopeless. It's all terrible. That's why I don't bring the newspaper, and I know we don't take newspapers anymore, but I don't bring it to the platform. I learned years ago that doesn't help people. We got enough of that out there. I want to have you come in here and say, uh, what a friend we have in Jesus. I want to hear what Naomi just sang, what the chorale just sang, what the choir just sang, what you just said. Uh, uh, be not dismayed, but God will take care of you. And our mind begins to play tricks on us. I want you to see, you know, I, I, I preach the message here. It goes from your mind to your mouth to an action. All you see in this text, it just grows. I won't go to that message, but I want you to see the second thing he did in his crises. He ran. 
You don't run from a crisis. You face your Goliath. You face your Jericho. You face your Midianites. You face the crises that God has placed in your life. Now, you're going to have to determine what you do or not, but you don't need to probably go to HR. Well, they overlooked me. Well, if you're that good, they won't overlook you very long. Notice what the Bible says in, uh, in verse number one. David said in his heart, his mind, it began there. Secondly, I shall now perish one day by the hand of Saul. He gave up hope. There's nothing better for me than I should, what's the next two words? Speedily escape. I gotta do this now. I gotta run. I gotta go. It's terrible. I gotta deal with it. I'm, I'm out of here. I don't know what it is that you're facing in your crises, but running is never the answer. You know, mother and dad, one of the reasons like God allows us as parents to have crises is that our children can watch how to handle a crisis. You've heard me say it so much that you're, I, 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 you're tired of it, I'm sure. But I watched my mother and dad go through the crises. I watched my dad when we had things and then all of a sudden lose the business in 1959, 60. I watched that. I watched it when we had a house and didn't have a house. And we didn't have a kitchen. I watched it. We still went to Sunday school on Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, Saturday night, wrote the tithe, and we still had family Bible time every night and sang, though other rooms were being rented by other people, we sang quietly in mother and dad's room. You are going through a crisis of sorrow and heartache and disappointment so you can maybe just perhaps train your children how to deal with it. You don't attack. You don't gripe. You don't run. You don't sit on a couch depressed and say, I just can't get out of the couch. I just can't. No, you face your crises. Dave said, I'm going to run. I'm going to speedily escape to the land of the flesh. I'm joining up. And he did. Wrong decision. I think we ought to ask ourselves every day, help me, uh, uh, God, help me make good decisions and wise decisions and godly decisions. At the end of the day, look back and say, I made some bad ones. And we all do. Nothing better than me to run. I think I'll quit being a deacon. I'll quit being a, a church member. I'll quit being a, a bus worker. I'll quit being a, a, a soul winner. I'll quit being a prayer warrior. I'm going to quit being a husband and a father. I'm out of here. Oh, you have to face your crises. Most of you know the word cancer in your family. I'm not faced that. My wife faced it with her mother when she was just, her mother was 45. I watched my dad go through cancer briefly and, and, and it never changed. I watched my dad go through a stroke and with his one side paralyzed, try to talk and, and I watched him handle it. I knew when I got to the hospital, I knew when I got to the hospital, my mother would be a, I, I, you know, she's, she, she's a good, she was a great lady. I just knew she would not, 
she needed me. I just knew that. And she's by the bed, and the doctors are there. And, and I sat on the other side of the bed, and they left for a few moments. I held her hand across my dad. I said, Mom, I know. And she said, oh, no, son. Your dad read to me this morning, my times are in, your times are in my hand. She goes, God knows about this. She shows such great strength. When, when you have the doctor says, or when I have the doctor say it's cancer, we've witnessed this with your dad. It's been like this, a yo-yo, and I won't go in that whole ordeal with his physical. And, and, and you're free to go see your dad, and there's going to be the right time that maybe he needs to go see him. But I'm glad you're not all over the map all the time. And if you want to leave tomorrow, you can. I, I'm just saying it's not like this. Huh? I gotta do something right now. That's probably when you need to settle down, slow down, and be still before God and know that I am God. That's the time perhaps to stop eating and go to prayer. That's the time to maybe walk through the night with God and pour your heart out to God. I had the joy of being one of those people that needed a lot of sleep, and I'm up every night of my life, and sometimes I'm praying for the night, through the night, early morning hours, and different times, for his life, and for our grandkids, and for our kids, and for their 14 grand. Why? Because they have to make wise, good decisions that won't destroy their future. I want you to see the third thing he did. He, he was foolish. He thought by running, he would solve the answer. David said in his heart, I shall now one day perish by the hand of Saul. There's nothing better for me than I should escape, speedily escape into the land of the Philistines. Here it is. And Saul shall despair of me to seek me anymore. Saul's going to stop. If I run away, the problem will stop. Running away does not stop the problem. There was another group that took Saul's place now that he had to face their zigzag because he thought he was getting rid of the problem but just made a larger He was conquered by his time. Verse 7, that David dwelt in the country of the Philistines was a full year and four months. He stayed for 16 months working with the Philistines that he had already taken care of Goliath. He joined up. When people say things like, I will never leave church. <laughs> I love this place too much. Well, Williams, you've been in the ministry a little while. You, you, I just, I love this church. I love you, pastor. Hold on, my child. Let's see what happens down the road. And I'm thankful for those words. Some of those that love you the most wind up hurting you the most. And in your family, in your home, in your life, in your marriage, be careful. He's just compounding everything. And now these 600 men, and, and nobody, he, he didn't conquer. Go to chapter 29 and 30, and let's go to 30 in chapter 30, and we'll end it there. Chapter 29 and 30, I hope you'll read them this afternoon, our pivotal. Because it came to pass. Now they're invaded, they're, they're, they were gone, and Ziklag was burned with fire, and the women were captive. 
And verse number three, so David and his men came to the city. Behold, it was burned with fire. Their wives and their sons and their daughters were taken captives. And David and the people that were with them lifted up their voice and wept until they had no more power to weep. In verse six, David was greatly distressed for the people spake of stoning him. The people were grieved. This thing's getting so far out of hand. Yes, he's not being chased by Saul, but now he's chased by these that have taken his wives and taken their sons and taken their daughters. And now these are the new, this is the new crisis over here. When he could have dealt it with it right over here. But you see, the first time God cuts in the picture from 27 to 30, David incurs himself in the Lord. Verse 8, he begins to pray, and David inquired, shall I pursue after the troop? And God said one word, pursue. And verse 10, David pursued. And the Bible says in verse 11, and David reco- re- recovered all. In verse number 21, 22, he says they recovered all. When he finally faced his crises, we're going to go pursue these people. We're not going to give up. We're not going to give in. We're not going to quit. We're not going to attack uh, others. We're, we're, this is our crisis. And at our crisis moment, I got, I got 400 men that can't go with me. They're too worn out. They're too faint. Well, then let's take the 200 we've got. But we're going after our wives and kids. I'm not going to let my son there. I'm not going to let my daughters there. I'm not going to let my wife there. No, sir. We're going to go. And those men went with them and said, let's go. And they got back everything. You're going to have to face your crises. I'm going to have to face my crises. And they keep coming to the day you die. You say, well, you get older, the crises get a little less, doesn't it, Dr. Nikolai? Not as much crises. It's a lot easier when you get older. Don't work that way. Because you've had crises after crises after crises and you've learned to handle them, there'll be more to go. And there's more example to set. And there's more determination. There's more ability to see God come through. Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.